It's Bibliophile, the terrible book exchange podcast where a wife and her husband get each other the worst books they can find. For this episode of Bibliophile, Nick read Front and Center by Katherine Gilbert Murdoch, and I read Rosie Dannon's The Roommate. This is Bibliovile, the Terrible Book Exchange Podcast. My name is Mick Dickinson. And I'm Susan Dickinson. And we are back here once again with some terrible books for you. Uh, give you a book report. It's, it's, you know how it works. Come on. Or are they terrible books? <gasps> Mine's not. Is yours? We'll get to it. All right. Uh, well, I've already given it given away the game. You've already asked me straight up and down, so I had to give it to you. I figured yours was not terrible because you did not look at me in exasperation. You did not throw your Kindle down on the couch and walk away. Mm. And you did not complain about, I have to read this stupid book it like did, you did with the last one. It did help that it was probably three total hours of reading. <laughs> yeah, that it was a real short one. That does help, I have to <laughs> that say. Helps a lot. That helps a lot. Um, so no, I read Dairy Queen by a person, a published author. <laughs> and when you look up this person's author, you might find that their name is Catherine Gilbert <laughs> something. No, stop. The book is actually called Front and Center, and the series is called The Dairy Queen Books. That's surprising. Because it was like a Chekhov's gun type thing. That she was going to become the Dairy Queen? Yes. Did she become the Dairy Queen? I suppose she did. You suppose she did? Catherine Gilbert Murdoch. I want to give her full name and I didn't figure it ended with Gilbert. So Catherine Gilbert Murdoch wrote uh, Front and Center. Yes, Dairy Queen book. Something. Three, I think. Three. Uh, and this is a book about a, a high school junior by the name of DJ. DJ Schweck, I believe it is. Okay. Uh, and Susan, it is the most Schwank, excuse me. Uh, it is the most realistic take on teenagers since Catcher in the Rye. I was actually that was going to be my first question to you because you work every day with teenagers yes. as a high school teacher, and so I feel like you always have very strong opinions about how realistically teenagers are written. <laughs> mean um, Girls is up there, for example. So. When you say, like, it, it gets teenagers right, like, the dialogue, the exposition, like, all of it? No, the, mostly the narration. Okay. So, The Naturals, Bad Blood or whatever was... Yeah, it was what, bad. Bad, bad, bad. <laughs> what teenagers think they are, which is brooding and important. Mm. And then this one, much like Catcher in the Rye, although Catcher in the Rye's narrator is a bastard, and you're supposed to hate him, because that's the point, because teenagers fucking suck. Yeah. This one is not that same kind of teenager, but it is... it More than any book I've read in the past... Ever, it reminded me what it was like to be a teenager. Yeah. Like the narration was just like, oh yes, that is how it felt to be a teenager. I did not have the same problems as this person, but like it was really good at being like, I know this is not really a big deal to adults with bills. And it didn't say this, but like this is not a big deal to adults with bills and stuff, but this is what I have right now. This is my life and it's a big deal. Yeah. And it was really good. So the book is, awesome. uh, the book is about 
it's the writing's not great because it's too, way too conversational. And, yeah, and it says stuff like, "Oh, I'll get to that," or "Did I mention?" And it's where like, it's like the writer talking to yeah, you, the character yeah, at the very that's least. That's not and so my I, favorite. Yeah, I didn't like that either. Uh, but <clears throat> like I said, it really got to what it was like to be a teenager, which was awful, um, because our main character is. Uh, a basketball player it's her main sport but i I assume in the previous books uh she played football and she got like people magazine because she was dating the quarterback of the rival school or whatever so she's like six foot and you know grew pretty fast and it's kind of a top like tomboy and grows up on a dairy farm or whatever so at least there's a little bit more than like she's hot but she doesn't know it like it's never really even implied that she's that hot uh and so it's, it's like, like why am I reading? Where like, it, she was like an athlete and she wasn't like unattractive. But, yeah. yeah. So it's like, why am I even reading this book if she's not hot? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, what's the point? But she got into people like she's this extraordinarily, I wouldn't say shy, but like that teenager sort of social anxiety where, for example, one of the really cool things about this book is that it takes place in a m- mildly small town, not like 20 people, but also smaller than like Iowa City mm-hmm. style thing in Wisconsin. And so what they do after basketball games or anything like that is they go to Taco Bell and just sit there. And it's like, yes, yep, that is what being a teenager was like. <laughs> and so your options for things to do are quite limited yeah. and sur- are mostly surrounding fast food yeah. places. And it, it has elements of drinking <clears throat> in it where like sometimes somebody has a flask or they're passing around a bottle or they put something into the punch and the mom's like pretending not to notice. Yeah. And it she never partakes. The main character doesn't partake because I think she's supposed to be quite a role model. But it's never either judged. Like they don't get pukey drunk. Yeah. They don't nobody dies in a car crash. Like it's just it's like not teenagers like drink sometimes. Warning you about the evils of yeah. alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's they, also an athlete who probably doesn't want to get in trouble and wind up not being able more, to play. More or less. <laughs> um and so she got in like People magazine. Oh, sorry, she's socially anxious not to the point of like medication or anything but to the uh, to the high end of teenagers where you think everyone is thinking about you because you're spending so much time thinking about yep. you and it's sort of unreliable narrator because she's never judging anybody else like she's always keep, even the girl she hates uh that's on the other team you know blah 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 her her rival on the basketball squads um she says she was thinking some nasty thoughts and then had to like think some good thoughts right after because that's when God gets you or something like that. And so yeah. she's like making a special effort to not be judging and not be watching everybody else. But then she goes to Taco Bell and she's like, am I being funny enough? Am I talking too much? Everyone like she would look around the restaurants like everyone's looking at me and, and is judging. Yeah. Me. And, it's, and it's like, no, they're not, baby. Like, I wish I could help you. But, but everybody feels this. everyone feels <laughs> that you're a character in a book. Um, and so it's just sort of her general <clears throat> path through her junior year of high school as she is, uh, you know, kind of dealing with having a story in People magazine because she was dating the quarterback and that relationship ended and it was really great because it, it didn't end because he was an awful person or he was cheating on her or any sort of like trauma based things. It's that he didn't really know how to be a boy with a girlfriend around yeah. his boyfriends. And so she got hurt because he would always sort of blow her off in front of them, try to act cooler than her, like, you know, that, you know, Which he's is a, a teenage very, boy. That is a very normal teenage relationship reason for a breakup. Like, and it, it, yeah. Yeah, and it was, it was pretty great to see, <laughs> I just, like, I'm really proud of this fake teenager because <laughs> she, like, had a bunch of feelings and she was trying to get to another guy who was very well written as, like, the class clown in not a 
I'm going to put dog poop on the teacher's desk. Like, no, he goes to the assembly and he's the one who dresses up like a girl and dances around and, you know, gets all the laughs and the attention. And so she's now dating him. Except the one bad part about this book is that because he is stringy like a string bean and energetic like a jumping bean, his name, and I I feel like I shouldn't even say it, is Beaner. Oh, buddy. Yeah. And so I was like, that's not a great way to start. Oh, and their principal's name is Principal Slutsky. And so I feel like the, this author does really, really well at narrating and not so good at naming. But, you know, yeah. we can't be good at everything. <laughs> Um, and so she's trying to date this guy and he's like, he makes me laugh. He makes me, I have a great time when I'm hanging out with him. He's a relatively okay kisser, which is treated and like, he wants to go further, but she does it and it's fine. Like yeah. she slows him down is how it's put most of the time. And, but she still has feelings for this old boyfriend because she felt like the click and he's a really good kisser and like, she's, yeah. she can't stop thinking about him. It's like, well... There's this guy who I always have a good time with. And then there's this other guy who I have a great or terrible time with. Yep. And it was really funny to be reading that and be like, I'm the first guy. Oh, <laughs> yes, you are. And that's why I picked you. Yeah, because well, you have no have strong a, feelings. I for have me. a great time with yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, and so it was really great to see him show up because there's some, uh, her, she has three older brothers as far as I can tell. And one, uh, no, two older brothers and one younger. And both of them were playing college football, uh, one of them in the Pac-12, and he broke his neck on a face mask. And this was (gasps) apparently in a previous book. And so uh, he's like, he needs something to keep going, basically. And so his role in the book is to be very, very bossy because it's basically him living through her. Very real, very like true to life, very annoying, but, you know. Yeah, realistic, yeah. Uh, And then her older brother, other brothers playing at the U of M. And I forgot what I was going with this. Whatever. She's on People Magazine. She feels socially conscious. And now she's trying to figure out what am I going to do for college basketball? Mm -hmm. Because I basically can't afford to go to college if it's not with a scholarship. Yeah. Also very real. Very real. (laughs) And so the story basically follows her uh, ranging with this feelings for this old boyfriend versus the new boyfriend who she doesn't have much of feelings at all for, um, except for having a great time. And then... What am I going to do with basketball? And she's socially anxious. And so she, like, on the basketball court, she knows everything everybody should be doing but can't speak up. Like, she expresses pretty well in the narration. Like, I knew it and I knew what I was supposed to say, but the words wouldn't come. Like, I couldn't get them out of my chest and and out. And so throughout the book, she's sort of figuring out different ways of being a leader. And then basically, one of the really best parts about this is that it's such a realistic moral. It's not like no teacher comes to her and gives her a really great pep talk and then she sees it. It's basically over the course of the book, she figures out that it's fake it till you make it. (laughs) That's so real though. Yeah. And so she goes to a, like a Minnesota game and watches the girls basketball game. And the girl who is showing her around the campus misses two free throws to lose the game. And she like nearly pukes in the stands because she's thinking I'll never be able to do that. Yeah. Like that's too much pressure. And so throughout the book, I was kind of hoping that she would land on, I can't do that. Like, that's not what I want out of life. But then in a in a relatively heartwarming way, it was pitched as, you know, you'll never you won't develop yourself if you don't challenge yourself in this way instead yeah. of being like, you have to do this. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's the plot of the book. And it's really good. I, I feel like this is an interesting time for you to read this book because you are coaching yeah. this season. You are coaching soccer and not basketball. But do you feel like that idea of like uh 
high school junior developing as a leader through athletics, do you feel like that was written pre- pretty realistically too? Uh, like figuring out leadership skills and that kind of thing? Yeah, pretty realistically. Uh, sometimes, not not from a teacher point of view, but from a teenager point of view, where like uh, she basically through sel- for selfish reasons starts basketball tutoring another girl who's a bench yeah. warmer. And then realizes that she enjoys that sort of one-on-one coaching when there's not a crowd. And so that grows and grows and grows. And so it's pretty pretty good as a guy who ran kickarounds uh, in his soccer career for that. Um, but beyond the basketball parts, it was really true-to-life teenagerdom where it was written as like, this is not funny to you, but we were dying laughing. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, that's fair. That's that's a that's a good point. There were some a little bit like uh, the the second boyfriend who she doesn't really feel for the funny one uh, is a little bit much like he, you know, waves his hands and sings and all does all this sort of stuff. It's a little bit much. But, you know, that's books. Um, well, there are also high schoolers that are like that. Yeah, not quite <laughs> to that extent. But uh, uh, one of the things that was best about it was I have a quote in here. I took a, not that many quotes because the writing wasn't phenomenal. It got the job done very, very well, uh, but it was not going to be either so terrible as to notice or so great as to, uh, you know, have to report. Although uh, <laughs> it does have some teenager drama in a very realistic way instead of a. Uh, everyone I know is, you know, a, a victim of trauma and dying and all that sort of thing from last week. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's written as this is a teenager who's being dramatic. Yeah. If I didn't get this done, my older brother would eat me alive. And then mom would come over to my dead eaten body and say how disappointed she was that I wasn't <laughs> helping Wins therapy. And then coach would, and everyone else in school would say how unsurprised they were that it'd take me so little time to screw up. And then of course I'd fail at phone calls considering I couldn't even manage point guard. It was like every person I knew was squeezed in that little office with me whispering, what a loser I was. I was like, oh yeah, that's what being a teenager is like. Yeah, that's what being a teenager, particularly a teenager with anxiety is like, oh, this thing has happened. The world will end now. And so like one of the greatest (laughs) conflicts in the book is the boyfriend thing. One of the second greatest conflicts in the book is she has to call NCAA coaches I don't know if this is completely true, but it seems like the the author did a research that they can't directly call a junior, so she has to call them. And so basically they're telling the coach, get her to call me. And of course, I hate talking on the phone no matter what, but much less she's like from a rural farming family. And it's a big thing in here about asking for help is like harder than giving help. And so to call and be like, you give me a scholarship, she like can't do it. Uh, She says, that's okay. I don't remember who she's talking to. Uh, No, she's talking to the old boyfriend. That's okay. Jeepers, DJ. You could run me over with a school bus, and the first thing I'd say, probably lying there in a puddle of blood and little bones, is that's okay. (laughs) Uh, And so she's being, actually, for this fake teenager, she's being very mature about this old boyfriend because he really did a number, like, nothing awful, just is a shitty teenager boy. And so, and then she says, all of a sudden it hit me. He was right. It wasn't okay. And more than that, right now, Ryan was doing that thing he was so good at, the thing he was the very best at, which is talking, using words to take away what he'd done, what he'd done with his actions. Uh, And so she is kind of trying to figure out, is he actually changing and feels remorse for the things he did? Or is he uh, actually getting better? And so it's like, wow, I don't know because... I don't know this boy. Uh, at one point, she says, there were two tr- pickup trucks in the yard when I got home. A real one with scratches and toolboxes and lumber, and the other one with a shiny new tricked out ride. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, 
this is her at Taco Bell. Uh, I didn't say too much, big surprise there, but my mind was going about a million miles an hour, checking all the time to make sure I wasn't doing anything embarrassing, and then checking the other tables to see if anyone was looking at me funny, and then whenever somebody asked me a question, being extra careful to make my answer acceptable, you know, before I opened my mouth, which put a break, an even bigger break, on my talking. Oh. <laughs> and it was like, wow, yeah, that's what it was like for a lot of different ways to be yeah. a uh, teenager. <laughs> uh, here we go. This is another way that it's just teenagers who aren't thinking straight. Uh, her new boyfriend is having a party and just is inviting everybody. Invites her middle school brother, invites her college age brother to this party. <laughs> and uh, doesn't say, hey, DJ, you are invited. And so I got more and more miserable because here he was inviting my brothers who he barely even knows. And he hadn't invited me, his Aww. girlfriend. I guess he didn't want me there. Maybe this was just his way of telling me that. Maybe he wasn't that different from Brian after all. I'm like, that. Of honey. course, you don't assume like, oh, he just assumed you knew you were invited yeah. because he's your boyfriend and he's throwing a party. You were waiting for an actual. That is too real. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, then the boyfriend comes back, the first boyfriend, who she later gets back with, because it does seem like he has actually changed, uh, comes back and, and asks, uh, you know, take me back. And she says, are you going to change? And he says, I'd like to think I already have. He said, looking right back at me. Where have I heard that before? I said, well, actually, I didn't say it. Actually, I thought it up the next day, but I would have if I'd thought it up fast <laughs> enough. Instead, I just something said, said something brilliant, like, oh yeah, something... <laughs> That's very endearing. Yeah. I still I get distracted because there's some choice choice parts. Oh, I just saw Hana vagina on my Kindle. Ugh, burn it. That's gross. But a lot of the things you're reading sound extremely endearing. Yes, this is the most teenager thing I've I've ever seen in my life, and it's it's true to life. Whether you are a person who grew up with anxiety or not, uh, she goes dress shopping with her mom to go to a semi formal, and then later breaks up with the boyfriend. Or before she goes dress shopping, breaks up with the boyfriend who invited her but still wants to go dress shopping because then she doesn't have to be in school next to him or whatever. Right? Yeah. I just stood there with her mom getting quieter and quieter. If by quiet, you mean so depressed, you can't even speak. You know, Han mom said this experience could be kind of fun if you let it, which made me feel so much better knowing I was flunking our family bonding experience. <laughs> and that's so good because it's like, I'm trying to have like when yeah. you're a teenager, you're you're surly and such an asshole. Yeah. But inside your brain, you're just like, I'm trying so hard because you don't have the tools to actually crowbar your emotions back in. Yeah. And so it was really good. I don't think I'd recommend it for reading it. I I think maybe if I had a student who dealt with those sort of things in the same way, I'd be like, hey maybe think about reading this it, yeah it really seemed like it really reminded me what it was to be a teenager and this sort of stuff but uh yeah it is not going to win any pulitzers anytime soon pretty clearly someone who writes for fun and not, yeah. i don't think it's their main maybe it is i don't know uh, maybe they're writing like a teenager talks and they're really good at it uh but i think they work at a high school because they they credited the students of a specific high school yeah. or something uh but yeah that would also make sense that a person who works at a high school would be able to write teenagers really well. Yeah, and get back into the sort of mind space of a teenager rather than being like, I'm so dark and edgy, which is where yeah. they think they are. Which I think sometimes people who try to write teenagers are like looking back on it with some type of lens, like yeah. with some type of agenda in mind versus like, this sounds like a person who 
actually is around teenagers. Yeah. And so it was it was all all in all good a good time. And like I said, it took about four hours to read. So that can't hurt. Can't hurt. So you're on you're on a bit of a I haven't taken a whole page of notes in three books. Well, the last book I got you was pretty terrible, though, so... Yeah, but I read the whole thing. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. So tell me about The Roommate, a book you had on a hold for a long time, and I was a little bit nervous when I found that out. So when Mick originally found this book, it had probably a six to eight week hold at the library for the ebook because apparently a lot of people are in the market to read this book. Um, And so I was a little nervous. I was like, well, is it going to wind up being a good bibliophile book or not? Because as we both know, you picked a book called Meg and Joe a few weeks ago that was so good that you had to go get me another one. And I just finished it as a good book. Yeah, big mistake, big misstep, big bibliophile error right there. So I didn't know if that was going to happen again with The Roommate. Mick, do you remember, based on the blurb... What this book was about. This is about a woman who has some man who is related to her in some, like, not familially, but, like, uh, through social connections, related to her in some way, move in with her for a temporary amount, and then they bone. That's correct. So when I first started reading this book, um, the beginning of the plot is exactly like Mick just says. Our main character's name is Clara, um, and she winds up through circumstances, which I will dig more into in a moment, living with a guy named Josh, and they wind up boning. Here's the beginning of your plotline. When I first started reading this book, I straight up told Mick, and we normally don't talk too much about the books beforehand, but I told him, like, no, I was worried this was going to wind up being really good, but so far it's not. It's kind of cringy, and I had a lot of things highlighted that I thought were either, like, really lame or just not very good. And so for the first probably 20% of the book, I had a lot of highlights. And most of the things that I was cringing about were the the main, our female protagonist. Yes. Because at the beginning of the book, she is written so cringy. So she is supposed to be this, um, like, East Coast heiress her family is like it's important to set up relatability right blue blood old money but she like doesn't fit the mold and Mm. she feels all this pressure she wears blue jeans she feels all this pressure to like be a certain way to live up to the family reputation she's never done anything for herself it's all been for her mom blah 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 can i stop you for a second yes much like me after taco night i hear a butt coming Mm -hmm. so in the beginning Clara has decided that she is going to do for the first time in her life something bold, something just for herself. There is a guy that she has been in love with since childhood. It's her next door neighbor slash childhood best friend named Everett. (gasps) Everett lives out in California and she has decided that she is going to pack up her whole life and move to California for the summer and live with Everett. And he picks her up from the airport and lets her know that his band, which who is terrible, got the opportunity to go on a tour through the American Southwest. And so he sublet his room of the apartment. And so he's she's going to be moving into his apartment with a complete stranger. All right. So. Circumstances. Here are some quotes that made me just like cringe and not like the writing of this at all. If he hadn't been driving and her mother hadn't made her memorize the etiquette of Emily Post in her adolescence, she might have lunged at him. I don't know that Emily Post directly addresses 
the manners involved in attacking someone operating a motor vehicle. I think if you're at lunging, you're a little bit past post Yeah. Um, Always lunge to your left. Yeah. She has a PhD in art history. She's just finished her doctorate. Ah, uh, typical useless major, am I right? <laughs> she Capitalism. Says, As a kid, she dreamed about making work of her own, but eventually she'd realized art required exposing parts of herself she'd rather keep hidden. Her, her hopes and fears, her passions and yearning. Analysis and curation let her keep art at arm's length while using school as a way to extend the exit ramp to adulthood. This like, sounds like this book has had, or this author's had some harsh criticism. Yeah. I'm like, first of all, that's very tell, don't show. Like, you could have shown that through different ways. <laughs> but it's just like the writing really irritated me. Um, She's in the supermarket in LA. All the leafy green vegetables in the world wouldn't make her look like the svelte fitness moms in this LA grocery store. No matter what she ate, her prodigious boobs refused to shrink. At least her posterior had caught up over the last five years to create an illusion of balance. Oh, poor her. She's got some big titties and a fat old yeah. ass. Guys hate that. And then there's even some, like, millennial hating oh, yeah. where, like, she arrived to find a cheerful restaurant with a sunny patio and two full man- menu pages dedicated to various types of avocado toast. Ah, First of all, lol. avocados toast <laughs> was just stupid. Um, and then at one point, uh, they're in a meeting. She and the roommate are in a meeting together. I'll get to why. Josh might excel in orgasms, but with the oh. number of hours she logged in classrooms over the course of her lifetime, Clara knew her way around line paper like nobody's business. Which is basically a fancy way of saying she's good at making lists, but also... What? Like, I don't know that a lot of PhD students are taking notes in lined notebook Especially paper. Especially art criticism. Yeah. Write me a paper about what this dick means. Um, yeah. Can we get just a clear, like, just a, a clean cut of Josh may be good at giving orgasms, so anybody named Josh can cut that out and just make <laughs> No! Oh, uh, okay. No, because I don't want my voice being out there as the one that said that. Yeah, but that. it's so sexy, though. Your name's not Josh. I'm so, not good at giving orgasms. It all works out. Just <laughs> Describing the plot in the beginning, she'd broken the lease on her apartment in Manhattan, left behind her friends and family, and turned down a curatorial internship at the Guggenheim. Ugh, all for nothing. Something poor people just can't do. Right. They'll never understand this struggle. Yeah. So she's deciding when she arrives in the apartment and Everett immediately leaves to go on tour with his shitty band, she's deciding what she's going to do. She had two choices. She could call a cab, book a seat on the next flight back to JFK, and try to rebuild her old life piece by piece. Or she could stay. Stay in this city she didn't know, live with a man she'd never met, without a job or friends, without the clout her family name commanded on the East Coast. But also, like... That's the end of the quote. She's still going to have a bunch of money. Like, she's still super rich. I'm not sure LA is set up for unconnected, young, rich people. I'm worried that she will not be able to find a social group being a rich, young, hot woman in LA. Pretty sure you're going to be fine. And it turns out she is because she has an aunt who is estranged from the rest of her family who runs a highly successful PR firm in Los Angeles, and so she just gets a job working for her. I'm gonna barf. Yeah. Um, much like a farmer standing up, where's the butt? Okay, so up to this point, this book was not very good. I did not like the writing style. There was nothing to recommend to me about Clara, our main character, 
But then we get to know Josh. And Josh is great. So Josh is this kind of like overgrown. He's he's kind of this overgrown teenager where like he eats nothing but junk food, but is still in really great shape. And he's like kind of sarcastic sometimes and um, like is feeling kind of directionless. Like he doesn't really know what to do with his life, but he's written really well and he's very endearing and you immediately like him as a character. He's also very this, funny. This sounds a lot like the Bad Boys Club of the Irish dude and my guy from those romance books a couple weeks ago. Where he's not super rich though. Oh well, that's all. Yeah, yeah. No, now he's a good person. Yeah. Um. So she's explaining why she moved out there to to live with Everett. Everett and I grew up together. Despite living on different coasts for almost 10 years, we've kept in touch with phone calls and visits. I don't know if you got to know him at all, but he's this amazing mix of sweet and smart and funny. And Josh interrupts her and says, and he encouraged you to drop everything and move out here only to abandon you the first chance he got. Um, And so he's just like, he kind of sees through her and her circumstances in a way that like makes the reader understand like, oh no, we know that she's kind of ridiculous. I'm like, okay, good. I'm glad she isn't being like, I'm glad we're not supposed to like her or understand That's her. That's what you want in a romance book. So um, it turns out that the the reason that Josh eats the way he does and is so skinny uh, is partly because of his exercise routine, but also because of his job, which burns a lot of calories. Porn star. He's a porn star. Nice. Nailed that. Apparently a porn star who has been enjoying quite a bit of fame lately. Um, he and his on-again, off-again girlfriend have done a series of videos together, and they're apparently just like, their chemistry is fantastic on mm-hmm. camera, and people love it. He does... What's his porn name? He's on, like, his porn name is Josh Darling. His real name is Josh Connors. Um, and he does what he, ref- like, what he describes as porn that's focused on female pleasure. Very like, he real. is very much, uh, focused on a female audience. He, though, is getting a lot of pressure from his studio to get into, like, more, like, hardcore stuff because that's apparently where the money is because apparently there's so many amateurs that are doing the kind of stuff that Josh does He's going to have to step up to stepsister. Yeah, are going to have to get grosser. And he was like, I'm not going to do anything that's demeaning to women. And I, like, want to continue doing the kind of stuff that I do. So he's in this weird fight with his agent, um, who, it turns out, a lot of the execs that are involved in the porn industry are terrible and corrupt and really awful to Um, the performers. America's porn industry? They're the best of us. So... He, she finds out that he's a porn star and she starts watching his video, his most recent video and he comes home while she's watching it. And so they like get into this conversation and she's really awkward and really flustered. And he was like, this can't make me feel awkward because like, this is what I do for my job. And so it sort of escalates and like they wind up getting into a conversation about sex and she reveals to him that she has never gotten off during sex. She's always, as she puts it, taken care of herself. That's that's afterwards. a pretty typical romance book conversation. It so really he is. can lay the long game yeah. of the law. And he decides that he's going to prove to her that mm. other people can't like someone else can get her off. And so he gets her off hands only. That's usually some with one of the her, best ways. With her clothes on. Oh. And so they have this, like, 
she has this great orgasm and it's so sexy and blah, blah, blah. And then she starts feeling really awkward the next day of like, well, it didn't mean anything to him. For him, it's just sex. And he was like, actually, she's she's kind of hot and I'm kind of into her. Um, so they start this whole will they, won't they thing. Um, so this is a, a, a book porn f- uh, directed towards women about uh-huh. porn directed towards women. It is. This is starting to get a little meta for me. It is. So things progress. I actually wound up really liking this book, so I don't want to reveal too many of the details. I'm not going to read it. I know you're not going to read it, but others that enjoy romance novels, this would actually be one that I recommend. Would this dip into erotica? Oh, for sure. Ah. Yeah. Um, and the sex, scene, the sex scenes are actually really well written, nice. to be honest. Um, but so Josh and Clara wind up embarking on a business endeavor. So they decide Josh is temporarily out of work. His uh, agency has sort of blackballed him until he does the kind blue of stuff him. they want. Him it's called blue ball. <laughs> they won't cast him in anything. And so he's out of work right now. And so they decide that along with his uh ex on again off again girlfriend they're gonna make a threesome video they're going to make a website that they they describe it as being a combination of porn and sex education and it's all about like how to get a woman off and so it's all of these videos and josh and the ex-girlfriend are doing all of the narration and the directing and everything and claire is funding it i'd have to learn how to take notes with my left hand (laughs) and so at one point, they get all the, like, they've hired a bunch of sex workers to to do these videos, and they have them all over to their house for a barbecue, yeah. and they wind up playing Never Have I Ever, and it's actually really funny, because um, Clara, Clara is feeling so or out not, of place, because they're going, ball, <laughs> yeah. they're going around the circle, and here are some of the things that the other folks are saying. Never have I ever fucked both members of a married couple. Never have I ever come so hard I passed out. Never have I ever fucked ten times in one day. And Clara thinks to herself, but that defied science. She wanted to call a doctor. Never have I ever lost blood flow to the ocular nerve. Right? (laughs) And so she gets really insecure. She goes into the house. He follows her. They wind up having this conversation where he's like really trying to like build her up. Like, here's all these great things about you. And so he says, never have I ever earned a doctorate. Never have I ever made Brussels sprouts taste good. Never have I ever come up with an idea for my own business. Never have I ever been generous enough to fund a ragtag band of sex workers that no bank would ever give at the time of day. Um, And so they like wind up, they're really proud of this thing that they've built. Um, And then there's a, a bit of a scandal where... Her name is never supposed to be publicly attached to the project because she doesn't want to bring shame on the family. But someone, you know, gets leaked to the press. She gets fired from her PR job with her aunt. They have their fight. That's their whole, that's the whole breakup, third act breakup thing. Uh, She winds up flying out to Las Vegas where Everett is performing. And when she sees Everett, realizes that she doesn't have feelings for him anymore because she has feelings for Josh. So they wind up going you know, getting back together and they go on a press tour for the, the website and all of this stuff. Um, and they're like, there's some, some good stuff. He winds up, uh, making up with his family when he first told his parents that he was in porn. Like they had, a, they reacted pretty negatively mm-hmm. and he like changed his phone number and never talked to them again. Yeah. And so he like makes up with his family 
And Especially his, his stepsister. His mom is actually super supportive. She says, look, I've had two years to process this information. And for me, it always comes down to this. I care about you being safe and happy. And I care about the blockers your father put on my computer so I never accidentally see you mounting anyone. As long as those three things hold up, you're an adult and I respect your choices. Um, And she says, I'm sure whatever sex you choose to have on or off camera, both of which I never want to hear about. (laughs) And so it's like, there's a happy ending. But ultimately what I... It typically isn't pornography. Yeah. What I ultimately liked about this uh, this book was that it's actually really funny. It winds wow. up being really funny. Um, I will read a couple of quotes to you. This one I, I feel like you will appreciate. Why did men insist on pretending IPAs tasted good? They used to. And <laughs> there was an arms race, which is funny because that's the name of a Yeah, an IPA. I recently completed my doctorate in art history, she said, with as much bravado as she could muster. Josh smirked. Is that like a special degree they only give out to rich people? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. So what I'm hearing is that despite the fact that this book will get far less press, this is 10 times the sex positive book that Fifty Shades of Grey actually was. 100%. Yeah. It's very sex positive. It's very good. Um, this was something I identified with a lot. At one point, she's she's having a hard time believing that he's attracted to her. Like, this guy who has sex on camera with as his stars. job with very attractive women. And she says, I'm not sexy enough. And he, he says, what the hell are you talking about? She says, I know I wear too many cardigans and I can't for the life of me figure out how to use a curling iron. She lowered her voice. Even my nice bras are neutral colors. <laughs> <laughs> that just... Felt a little personal. Um, at one point, they are doing auditions. Uh, so the sex workers are coming in to audition for the the project. How do you handle that one uh, ethically, huh? <laughs> well, Josh and um, Natalie. Give me your best fake orgasm. They're they're like taking notes as they what because it is the the performers are asked as part of their audition to masturbate in front of these three. And so Josh and Naomi are like taking down some notes. Clara wrote down the word naked in cursive on her own pad. So she wouldn't look completely unprofessional. (laughs) Um, She at one point says to him, don't pander to me. My lack of chill is not sexy. Marissa and Naomi, women who are confident in their bodies are sexy. I'm a PG movie about a cartoon bunny. What do you think that that exit interview was? Or like when you interview people and you have to have that conversation once they're gone about like, you know, I really like Stacy's gumption or whatever. Did they have to be like, wow, Cassandra really flicked that bean. Oh, God. She really made me believe. You know how sometimes if candidates don't get the job, they'll call and say like, I just want to know if you have any feedback for me so that I can better prepare for the next interview. What do you do if, like, the performer that you don't hire calls and asks for feedback? More fingers. More fingers. (laughs) So, yeah, this was, this wound up being... Were there, was this all women or was there a guy, were there guys auditioning in the same way? Uh, There were guys, but as part of their audition, they had to get a woman off. Ah. Yeah. It's rough stuff. So... That's because a man auditioning by tricking out. Okay, let's see what we got. (laughs) i don't like the faces he made right at the end the vinegar (laughs) strokes on this guy were a little bit much so yeah that was the muscle in his neck really stood out that was rosie danan's the roommate and i was extremely skeptical in the beginning i wound up really liking it it's very sex positive It's it's super funny i never i never warmed up on clara the female protagonist 
but Josh, the male protagonist, yeah. is very good. Um, I started out very skeptical. 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 And- skeptical and ended up liking it is the opposite uh, emotional path that most people take to porn. <laughs> so when you got done with the book, did you kind of close it and you're like, ah, wait, that was really gross. Because that's the usual. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> anyway. It was real to your jerker. Oh, I'm really uncomfy. Listen, you're the one who read a book about porn. I can't. You're the one who got me a book about porn. I don't know it was a book about porn. Uh, That will do us for this weekend. But Susan, uh, I have something to show you. Oh, dear. It'll take me a minute uh, to find it. Is it my next book? Yes, it is. I'm a little concerned. If you have any secrets to share, I'm going to need you to close your eyes. Okay. Um, My eyes are closed. And and I feel like when I open them, I'm going to be very regretful that we do this podcast. Much like uh, last week when we were searching for a thing to fill the time, um, I I admitted some uh, secrets about me. Are you going to admit any secrets this time about you? have any secrets i'm pretty boring all my bras or even my nice bras are in neutral colors that's right yeah um i'm trying to find there are two versions of this book oh dear and i'm trying to find are there two versions because they're different translations no okay all right open open my eyes no oh oh yeah go for it all right so this one journey to the year one billion oh This is a riveting and sensual journey to the end of time. A time travel in orbit sends shockwaves, just like, yeah, shockwaves, which threaten to destroy the Earth. After three ships are sent in but don't report back, Lieutenant Commander Michael Taylor of the United Survey Service is sent in to investigate. He's hurled one billion years ahead in time to find mankind has evolved into an entirely different form of life, judging by the... uh, cover art no it's still a buxom uh lady uh which has no conception of love there he and his crew are captured by aliens who perform torturous experiments one of the aliens take the form of pam the love of his life he left behind and taylor has to teach her the value of humanity before he has to destroy it okay i just read the disclaimer on why there are two different versions of this book there's apparently a pg version where all explicit sensual scenes have been removed. If you want the full complete version, click here. But it's not for the timid. Which version am I going to have to read? Well, the thing is <laughs> that I'd like you to check out this this cover that it's okay. got going. And then realize that you will be reading this book with this cover. <laughs> The it's the alien, same, it's nope. Just... The alien lady has been given slightly less clothes in the second one. Wait, show me the first one again. Oh, okay. So maybe maybe there will be... There's also more tiles in the second Maybe one. there'll be a, a... The difference in the words will also be very minor. And it actually won't be that bad. I doubt it. Um, So this one's going to be... 202,000 words I, long. How many pages is that? 542. I specifically asked you last time. I said, there's this That's really long right. book. And you said, yeah, I give it. I said it was fine because yeah. I'm a faster reader than you. All right. Well, you don't have to drag me through the mud. So I hope you enjoy Journey to the Year One Billion, complete uncensored version by Gary L.M. Martin. Okay. And I think the L.M. stands for Long Masturbator. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you have mine picked out? No, not yet. Oh, no. I wish I would have shown uh, you this then. Now that I know that I have to read this. Yeah, but I just anyway. want to finish it. 
Ah, um, that's going to do us for this week of Bibliovah. My name has been and will continue to be Mick Dickinson. I'm Susan Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Dickyma and her at Susan J. That's S with three U's, S-A-N-J. The mm-hmm. Twitter account is Bibliovile, B-I-B. I already messed it up. B-I-B-L-I-O-V-I-L-E. And the, the intro, intro music, music for our podcast is Babe, Babe of the, the Night by the, the band Elixir, Elixir off of their album Rampant. Rampant. Good night.